people of Earth, attention! This is the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G, which means it's perfectly safe for folks and families of all ages. Yes, even Grandma. Enjoy! Shine Co. Garden Buddy So complicated, it's easy. Take it home, boot the patented Shine Co. robot up, and let it do its job. The patented Shine Co. robot will kill weeds, mows your lawn, water your flowers, chases away stray dogs, and makes you cake. There's also the slight possibility that the Shine Co. Garden Buddy will try to brutally murder your entire family and harshly destroy all your belongings. It'll also get the mail! Hey, son. Yeah, Dad? Go get the mail. Aw, come on, Dad. I'm playing Final Fantasy 15,000. Honey? Yeah? Go get the mail. You know what? I'm tired of this. You go get it. Now you don't have to worry about the mail. The patented Shineco Garden Buddy will read, sort, and shred all of your personal letters on his own time, so you don't have to worry. Your parking ticket and your jury duty. The Shine Corporation is not responsible for any loss of property, your robot, or your life. The Shine Corporation works in part with Aperture Science, Black Mesa, the National Rifle Association, and your local PTA to make the Garden Buddy and other products. Call 555-444-3321 to order your Garden Buddy today and be the first one on your block. But wait, there's more. If you order in the next few seconds, you get nothing extra. <laughs> Call now. <laughs> Box Audio Theater and the Bartlett Performing Arts and Conference Center presents Alice in Wonderland, performed live as part of the Theater Kids program on November 24th, 2013, Act 1. <sighs> Alice, don't fidget so. I beg your pardon, sister, but it is so very dull today. Isn't it tea time yet? Not quite. We'll go into tea when I finish the chapter I'm reading. It's a beautiful day. Alice and her sister are outside. Though only one of them seems to be enjoying the experience. <sighs> Alice, why don't you go pick some daisies? Oh, it's so dreadfully hot to pick day <gasps> daisies. Alice feels as though she may drift off to sleep at any moment. When suddenly, out of the corner of her eye, she saw something hopping. Sister, look! Down there in the grass, a white rabbit! Mm-hmm. Sister, he has a waistcoat on. And look, he's taking a watch out of it. Oh, Alice, what nonsense. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I shall be late. Sister, did you hear that? Hear what? The rabbit. He looked at his watch, and then he spoke. Oh, Alice, you're imagining. <laughs> Alice? Alice, come back here. Where are you going? Alice! I've, I've got to see the rabbit again, sister. Oh, dear. He just popped into that hole under the hedge. But it's such a very large rabbit hole. Perhaps I could squeeze through... There! I can still see him. He's down at the end. Oh, I must hurry. I must... Oh! Oh, I'm falling! I'm falling! Falling down what seems to be a very deep well. 
Either the well was very deep or she fell very slowly, for she had plenty of time to look about, and noticed that the sides of the well were filled with cupboards and bookshelves. After such a fall as this, I shall think nothing of tumbling downstairs. Why, I wouldn't say anything about it, even if I fell off the top of the house, which is very likely true. Down, down, down. Alice became very drowsy and had almost fallen asleep when... Oh! I've landed. I ought to be hurt, but I don't seem to be. Now, where's that white rabbit? Oh, there he goes. Oh, my ears and whiskers, how late it's getting. He's turned the corner of the passage. Oh, I mustn't lose him. But when Alice turned the corner, the rabbit was no longer to be seen. She found herself in a long, low hall with doors all around it, all locked. In the middle of the hall was a little three-legged table of solid glass with nothing on it but a tiny golden key. Alice tries the key in the various doors of the hall, but either the locks are too large or the key is too small. Now she sees a little door about 15 inches high. She tries the golden key in the lock and it fits. Alice is opening the door. Now she is kneeling to look through the passage. It leads to a lovely garden, but she can't even get her head through the doorway. And even if my head would go through, it would be of very little use without my shoulders. Oh, I wish I could shut up like a telescope. I think I could, if only I knew how to begin. Alice returned to the table. She looked for another key, or perhaps a book of rules for shutting people up like telescopes. She didn't find either, but there was a little bottle sitting there. Which certainly wasn't here before. Around the neck of the bottle is a paper label with the words, Drink Me, beautifully printed on it in large letters. Drink me. Hmm. No, I'll look first and see whether it's marked poison. But the bottle was not marked poison, so Alice ventured to taste it, and finding it very nice. It has, in fact, a sort of mixed flavor of cherry tart, custard, pineapple, roast turkey, toffee, and hot buttered toast. She very soon finished it off. What a curious feeling. I must be shutting up like a telescope. She is shrinking. She's now only ten inches high. She's about the size to go through the door in the lovely garden now. She's a little, little nervous, though, afraid she might shrink too far. It might end, you know. Am I going out altogether like a candle? I wonder what I shall be like then. Fortunately, nothing more happened. But alas for poor Alice, she had left the little golden key on the table. And though she could see it quite plainly through the glass, she was now much too small to reach it. Soon, her eye falls on a little glass box that is lying under the table. She opens it and finds in it a very small cake, on which the words eat me were beautifully marked in currants. Well, I'll eat it, and if it makes me grow larger, I can reach the key, and if it makes me grow smaller, I can creep under the door. So either way, I'll get into the garden, and I don't care much which happens. Which way, which way? She's holding her hand on the top of her head to feel which way she is growing. Curiouser and curiouser. She is so surprised she quite forgets to speak good English. Now I'm opening out like the largest telescope that ever was. Goodbye, feet. Ow! Her head strikes against the roof of the hall. She's now more than nine feet high. 
She takes out the little golden key and hurries off to the garden door. Poor Alice. It was as much as she could do lying down on one side to look into the garden with one eye, but to get through the little door was more hopeless than ever. She sat down and began to cry again. <laughs> you ought to be ashamed of yourself, a great big girl like you. She might well say this. To go on crying this way. Stop this moment, I tell you. <laughs> But she went on just the same, shedding gallons of tears until there was a large puddle around her, about four inches deep, and reaching halfway down the hall. After a time, she heard a little pattering of feet in the distance. She hastily dried her eyes as the white rabbit returned, this time splendidly dressed with a pair of white kid gloves in one hand and a large fan in the other. He came trotting along in a great hurry, muttering to himself as he came. Oh, the Duchess! The Duchess! Oh, won't she be savage if I kept her waiting? If you please, sir. Oh! Oh, my ears and whiskers! Stop! You've dropped your gloves and your fan! Oh! Oh, my ears and whiskers! Oh! And the right rabbit was gone. Alice took up the fan and gloves, and as the hall was very hot, she started to fan herself. Gracious! I must be growing small again. I am! Now I'm only two feet high. I shall go out altogether. It must be the fan. <coughs> oh, that was a narrow escape. If I hadn't dropped that fan, it would have been the end of me. But now I'm small enough to get through the door. Alice runs towards the door, but suddenly she finds herself up to her chin in salt water, swimming around in a pool of the tears she had wet when she was nine feet high. Oh, I wish I hadn't cried so much. I shall be punished for it now, I suppose, by being drowned in my own tears. That will be an odd thing to be sure. However, everything is odd today. Just then, she heard something large splashing toward her through the water. Oh, what a fearful racket. It must at least be a walrus or a, a hippopotamus. Oh no, I forgot how small I've grown. It's only a mouse. But it is bigger than I am. Oh, mouse, do you know the way out of this pool? I am very tired of swimming about here. Oh, Mouse? Perhaps it doesn't understand English. I dare say it's a French mouse. <clears throat> Ooh, a ma chat. The first sentence in Alice's French book. Translation, where is my cat? The mouse doesn't like the reference, in English or in French. Oh, I beg your pardon. I quite forgot you didn't like cats. Not like cats. Well, would you like cats if you were me? Well, perhaps not, but I do wish I could show you our cat, Dinah. She's such a capital one for catching mice. <laughs> oh, I do beg your pardon. We won't talk about her anymore if you'd rather not. We, indeed, as if I would talk on such a subject. Our family always hated cats. Nasty, low, vulgar things. Don't ever let me hear the name again. I won't, indeed, I promise. Very well, then. Let us go to the shore and I'll tell you my history and you'll understand why it is that I hate cats. It was high time to go, for the pool was getting quite crowded with the birds and animals that had fallen into it. There were a duck and a dodo, a lorry and an eaglet, and several other curious creatures. Alice led the way, and soon the whole party swam ashore. Well, dry land at last. That's better. Oh, Mouse, you promised, you know. Promised? Promised what? To tell me your history and why you hate you know what. Ah, yes. 
Oh, woe is me. Mine is a long and sad tale. I can see you have a long tail, Mouse. But why is it sad? You insult me by talking such nonsense. Oh, I really meant nothing. But you're so easily offended, you know. I am afraid, I am very much afraid, that you are a waste of time. Oh, please, come back and tell me your story. Goodbye. Well, what a pity he wouldn't stay. But there's no sort of use in crying about it. I shall never get out of here unless I set about growing to my right size again. But the great question is, how? As she is walking through the forest, Alice suddenly notices a large mushroom growing near her about the same height as herself. On top of it, a large blue caterpillar was sitting with his arms folded, quietly smoking a long hookah. The caterpillar took his languid time about noticing Alice. And who are you? I, I hardly know, sir, just at present. At least I know who I was when I got up this morning. What do you mean by that? Explain yourself. I can't explain myself, I'm afraid, sir, because I'm not myself. You see? I don't see. I'm afraid I can't put it more clearly, for I can't understand it myself to begin with. And being so many different sizes in a day is very confusing. It isn't. If you'd change as much as I have today, you'd feel a little strange, too. Not a bit. Well, perhaps your feelings are different, but it feels very strange to me. You? Well, who are you? I think you ought to tell me who you are first. Why? Oh, I'm afraid we're not getting anywhere at all. Come back here. I have something important to say. Well, what is it? Keep your temper. Is that all? Yes. Good day to you, my dear. But, but... One side will make you go taller, the other side will make you go shorter. Wait! One side of what? The other side of what? Of the mushroom. Now, how can he tell which of the two sides of the mushroom when it's perfectly round? Maybe if I stretch up my arms as far as they can go and break off a bit with each hand... There. Now, which is which? I guess I'll try the right hand piece first. Oh, I'm getting smaller so quick. My chin hit my foot. I have to eat some of the left hand piece right away. Uh, it's so hard to get my mouth open. Uh, there. Oh. There, my head's free at last. As she grew larger, she saw across the top of the mushroom a little house about four feet high. I can never visit that lovely place if I grow to my full size, so I better stop here. She is nibbling a little on the right-hand piece. Now a quick nibble on the left-hand piece. She is now established at nine inches. As she approached the house, a fish dressed in footman's livery came running out of the woods and rapped loudly on the door. It was opened by another footman in livery who was really a frog. Alice crept behind a bush to listen as the fish footman presented a great letter nearly as large as himself. For the Duchess, an invitation from the Queen to play croquet. From the Queen, an invitation for the Duchess to play croquet. They both bowed, and the curls of their white wigs got entangled together. <laughs> Alice laughed so much at this that she has to run back into the woods for fear of their hearing her. When she peeps out, the fish footman is gone, and the frog footman is sitting on the ground near the door, staring stupidly up at the sky. Alice went up to the door and knocked. 
There's no sense of use in knocking, and that is for two reasons. First, because I'm on the same side of the door as you are. Brrr. And second, because they're making so much noise inside that no one could possibly hear you. Brrr. Please, then how am I to get in? There might be some sense in your knocking if we had the door between us. For instance, if you were inside, you might knock, and I might let you out, you know. Brrr. But how am I to get in? I shall sit here till tomorrow, or the next day, maybe. How am I to get in? Are you to get in at all? That's the first question, you know. It's really dreadful the way all you creatures argue. It's enough to drive one crazy. I shall sit here on and off for days and days. But what have I to do? Anything you like. Then I'll go in anyway. More pepper, more pepper, more! The door leads into a large kitchen. It is full of smoke. The Duchess is sitting on a three-legged stool holding a baby. The cook is stirring a large cauldron of soup, and she throws pepper into it by the shaker full. A large cat was lying on the hearth, grinning from ear to ear. He wasn't sneezing, and neither was the cook, but everyone else was. Achoo! Thank you, my dear. Please, would you tell me why your cat grins like that? Oh, it's a Cheshire cat, and that's why. Pig! I'm sorry, were you speaking to me? No, I was speaking to this brat. <laughs> oh, how rude. Take that, and that, and that. Oh, be careful. <laughs> what is the cook throwing pots and pans at the baby for? Oh, that happens every afternoon at four o'clock. Oh, please mind what you're throwing, cook. Be careful. Don't... Ah! <laughs> Speak roughly to your little boy. And scold him when he sneezes. He only does it to annoy. Because he knows it teases. Here, you may hold it a bit if you'd like. Catch! Oh, oh please, I nearly dropped it. I must go and get ready to play croquet with the queen. Take that, you toad! Mr. Again. If I don't take this child away with me, they're sure to kill it in a day or two. It would really be committing murder to leave it behind. All right, then. Let's go. Ah, there now. Isn't that better? (laughs) Oh, don't squeal, my dear. That's not at all the proper way of expressing yourself. (laughs) If you're going to turn into a pig, my dear, I'll have nothing more to do with you. Mine now. Now, what am I going to do when I get this creature home? (laughs) I guess there'll be no taking you home. You'll be happier out there in the woods. Run along. (laughs) If it had grown up, it would have made a dreadfully ugly child. But it makes a rather handsome pig, I think. And she began thinking of her other children she knew who might do very well as pigs when she was a little startled to see the Cheshire Cat sitting in the bough of a tree a few yards off. Hello, Cheshire Cat. Would you please tell me which way ought to go from here? That depends a good deal upon where you want to get to. I don't care where. No, then it doesn't matter which way you go. What sort of people live around here? That direction lives a hatter. That direction lives a march hare. Visit either. Both are mad. But I don't want to go among mad people. (laughs) Oh, you can't help that. We're all mad here. I'm mad. You're mad. How do you know I'm mad? You must be, or you wouldn't have come here. 
Do you play croquet with the queen today? I should like it very much, but I haven't been invited yet. You'll see me there. Well, he disappeared into thin air. No, here he comes back. By the by, what became of the baby? I nearly forgot to ask. It turned into a pig. Hmm, I always thought it would. I wonder if he's disappeared for good now. Well, who shall I go visit? I've seen Hatters before, so I imagine the March Hare will be most interesting. Did you say pig or fig? I said pig. All right. This time, it vanishes quite slowly, beginning with the end of the tail and ending with the grin, which remains some time after the rest of it has gone. from our sponsor. Oh, Sir Butter, we have traveled for so long and I'm ever so hungry. What shall we do now? Don't fear, my lady Maple. I'll save us with my skills of survival, instinct, and impeccable sense of direction. Those are the same skills that got us into this mess, you dumbbell. Now, just because I have a love for adventure doesn't mean I'm good at it. Oh, shut up and steer the horse. I'm the same way you two are. Hungry. I ain't moving you two another step till you feed me. Oh, you stupid and lazy thing. Now that's horsest. <laughs> Hello there, I'm Prince Dirk, and I couldn't help but overhear your conversation. I may know something that will change your lives forever, mostly your stomachs. <gasps> Whoa, well, well, what is this place? I think this is some sort of palace. You're right. Welcome to my pancake palace. <laughs> Our pancakes are good and cheap. We also have a new Christmas special. All you can eat for $6.99. We also introduced our all-new palace pancake. Yum. Marvelous. Wow, that grub sure was something. Allow me to rephrase that. Amazing. Glad you like it, kids. And you, too, can have a delicious breakfast, brunch, and brinner over at Dirk's Pancake Palace. Dear Mother of All Things Buttery. That's me. Visit Dirk Pancake Palace over in Neverland. It's the second start to the right and straight on till morning. See you there. Chatterbox Audio Theater and the Bartlett Performing Arts and Comfort Center present Alice in Wonderland, performed live as a part of Theater Kids program on November 24, 2013, Act 2. Alice had not gone much further before she came upon the house of the March Hare. She is sure it is the right house because the chimneys are shaped like ears and the roof is thatched with fur. There was a table set out under a tree in front of the house and the March Hare and the Hatter were having tea at it. A dormouse is sitting between them, fast asleep. The March Hare and the Hatter are using him as a cushion, resting their elbows on him. They aren't at all anxious to have Alice's company. Hello? No room! No room! No room! No room! No room! No room! 
There's plenty of room, and I'm going to sit down. There. Have some wine. I don't see any wine, March Hare. There isn't any. Then it wasn't very civil of you to offer it. Well, it wasn't very civil of you to step down without being invited. I didn't know it was your table. It's late for a great many more than three. Your hair wants cutting. Oh, you sure not to make personal remarks, Hatter. It's very rude. Why is a raven like a writing desk? I'm glad you're going to ask riddles. That would be fun. But I believe I can guess that one. Do you mean that you think you can find out the answer to it? Exactly so. Then you should say what you mean. I do. At least, at least I mean what I say. That's the same thing, you know. Not the same thing a bit. Why, you might just as well say that I see what I eat. It's the same thing as I eat what I see. You might just as well say that I like what I get. It's the same thing as I get what I like. You might just as well say that I breathe when I sleep. It's the same thing as I sleep when I breathe. It is the same thing for you, Dormouse. Oh, I must answer that riddle before they forgive it. Now let me see. Why is a raven like a writing desk? Raven, writing desk, raven, writing... What day of the month is it? The, um, fourth. This watch is two days wrong. I told you butter wouldn't suit the works. It was the very best butter. Yes, but some crumbs must have got in it as well. You shouldn't have put it in with a bread knife. But it was the very best butter. Let me dip it in the tea and my wash the crumbs out. What a funny watch. It tells the day of the month and doesn't tell what o'clock it is. Why should it? Does your watch tell you what year it is? Of course not, but that's because it stays the same year for such a long time together. Which is just the case with mine. I don't quite understand you. The dormouse is asleep again. Oh, oh no, oh no. I heard everything you fellows said. Have you guessed the riddle yet? No, I give up. What's the answer? I haven't the slightest idea. Nor I. I think you might do something better with the time than wasting it and asking your riddles that have no answers. Ah, if you knew time as well as I do, you wouldn't talk about wasting it. It's him. I don't know what you mean. Of course you don't. I dare say you never even spoke to time. Perhaps not, but I know I have to beat time when I learn music. Ah, that accounts for it. He won't stand a beating. I know. He and I quarreled last March, just before he... The March Hare went mad, you know. <laughs> it was at the great concert given by the Queen of Hearts. And I had to sing. Twinkle, twinkle, little bat. How I wonder where you're at. You know the song, perhaps? I've heard something like it. It goes on, you know, in this way. Up above the world you fly Like a tea tray in the sky Twinkle, twinkle, little bat Twinkle, 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 twinkle Be quiet, Dormouse. Ouch, stop pinching me! Well, I'd hardly had time to finish the first verse when the queen bawled out, he's murdering the time, off with his head. How dreadfully savage. Never since that, he won't do a thing, I ask. It's always six o'clock now. Is that the reason so many tea things are put out here? Yes, that's it. It's always tea time, and we've had no time to wash the things between the whiles. Then you keep moving round, I suppose, from one seat to the next. Exactly so, as the things get used up. But what happens when you come to the beginning again? Oh, take some more tea. I've had nothing yet, so I can't take more. You mean you can't take less? It's very easy to take more than nothing. Nobody asked your opinion. Who's making personal remarks now? Oh, you... I want a clean cup. Let's move one place.
But then you're the only one who gets a clean place, and I have to sit where the March Hare sat, and he's upset the milk jug into his plate. <laughs> we move only one seat over. And if you don't like that, you don't have to drink the tea you haven't yet had. This piece of rudeness was more than Alice could bear. She got up in great disgust and walked off. The Dormouse fell asleep instantly, and neither of the others took the least notice of her going. For they are now trying to shove the Dormouse into the teapot. As Alice wanders on through the wood, she comes suddenly upon a tree with the little door leading right into it. She is not in the least surprised, for she has come to expect anything in Wonderland. So she quickly opened the door and entered, to find herself at last among the bright flower beds and the cool fountains of a beautiful garden. The one she had first seen through the little door in the hall. She had scarcely time to look about her when she heard the sounds of a procession approaching. the royal entourage, the king and queen of hearts, accompanied by their guests, the king and queen of diamonds, spades, and clubs, with their soldiers and courtiers. When the procession came opposite to Alice, it stopped, and everybody looked at her as the queen of hearts spoke. Who is this? How did she get in here? Speak, child, what's your name? My name is Alice, so please, your majesty. Alice? Why, they're only a pack of cards, after all. I needn't be afraid of them. She has no business being Alice. Off with her head. Off with her Oh, consider, my dear, she's only a child. And yet she has a head king. Oh, but my, my dear consort... Mind your own. Hmm? Oh, uh, yes, my dear. On with the procession. For the present, child, you may keep your head. That's dreadfully kind of you. <laughs> The procession continued to the fountains in the center of the garden, while Alice looked about her vainly for some way of escape, but the queen kept constantly by her side. Have you seen the mock turtle yet? No, I don't even know what a mock turtle is. It's the thing mock turtle soup is made from. I never saw one or heard of one. Come then, and he shall tell you his story. After a little walk, the queen and Alice came upon a griffin, lying fast asleep in the sun. If you don't know what a griffin is, there's very little use in telling you, for you won't believe it anyway. He's sort of a half-lion, half-eagle, half... See, I knew you wouldn't believe it. Up, lazy thing! And take this young lady to see the mock turtle and to hear his story. What fun. I must go back and see after some executions I have ordered. What is the fun? Why, she... It's all her fancy, that. They never execute nobody, you know. Come on. They had not gone far before they saw the mock turtle in the distance, sitting sad and lonely on a little ledge of rock. As they came near, Alice could hear him sighing as if his heart would break. She pitied him deeply. <sighs> oh, what is his sorrow? It's all his fancy, that. He hasn't got no sorrow, you know. Uh, this here young lady, she wants for to know your history, she do. I'll tell her. 
sit down, both of you, and don't speak a word till I finish. I don't see how he can ever finish if he doesn't begin. Once I was a real turtle. When we were little, we went to school in the sea. The master was an old turtle. We used to call him Tortoise. Why did you call him Tortoise if he was a turtle? We called him Tortoise because he taught us. Really, you're very dull. You ought to be ashamed of yourself for asking such a simple question. Drive on, old fellow. Don't be all day about it. Yes, yes. We went to school in the sea, though you mayn't believe it. I never said I didn't. You did. Hold your tongue, little girl. Yes, we had the best of educations. In fact, we went to school every day. I've been to day school, too. What did you learn? Reeling and writhing, of course, to begin with. Then the different branches of arithmetic. Ambition, distraction, uglification, and derision. And what else had you to learn? Well, there was mystery. Mystery ancient and modern. With geography. Then drawing. The drawing master was an old conger eel that used to come once a week. He taught us drawing, stretching, and fainting in coils. What was that like? Well, I can't show it to you myself. I'm too stiff, and the griffin never learnt it. Head in time. I went to the classical master, though. He was an old crab, he was. I never went to him. He taught laughing and grief, they used to say. So he did. So he did. And how many hours a day did you do lessons? Ten hours the first day, nine the next, and so on. What a curious plan. That's the reason they're called lessons, because they lessen from day to day. Then the eleventh day must have been a holiday. Of course it was. And how did you manage on the twelfth? Oh, that's enough about lessons. Would you like the mock turtle to sing you a song? Oh, please, if he would be so kind. Really? Well, no accounting for tastes. Sing her turtle soup, will you, old fellow? Wonderful. Come on, then. It's time to go to the trial. What trial? Come on. Just come on. And the griffin grabbed Alice by the hand and hurried her off, leaving the mock turtle there in his sadness. Griffin had arrived at the courtroom, a great crowd had assembled there. All sorts of little birds and beasts as well as the whole pack of cards. The knave stood before the court in chains. The white rabbit, dressed in the livery of a herald, was near the throne where the king and queen of hearts were sitting. The king is also the judge, by the way, and as he is wearing his crown over his wig, he does not look at all comfortable and it certainly isn't becoming. 
In the very middle of the court on a table was a large dish of tarts. It made Alice hungry to look at them. I'd wish to get the trial done and hand round the refreshments. No chance of that. Them tarts is what the trial's all about. What are the jurors writing on their slates for? They can't have anything to put down yet before the trial's begun. They're writing down their names for fear. They shall forget them before the end of the trial. Stupid things. <laughs> Silence in the court. Oh, it's the white rabbit. Harold, read the accusation. <clears throat> the queen of hearts, she made some tarts, all on a summer's day. The knave of hearts, he stole those tarts and took them quite away. Yes. <laughs> Consider your verdict, jury. No, no, no. Not yet. Not yet, your majesty. There's a great deal to come before that. Um, all right then. Call the first witness. <laughs> first witness, the hatter, sometimes called mad. I beg your pardon, your majesty, for bringing my tea and bread and butter with me. But I hadn't quite finished when I was sent for. Well, you ought to have finished. When did you begin? The 14th of March, I think it was. 15th. 16th. Oh, uh, uh, jury, write that down. The jury is writing down all three dates on their slates. Now they add them up, and now they're reducing the answer to shillings and pence. Only all the answers are different. Just at this moment, Alice felt a very curious sensation, which she recognized at once. She was beginning to grow again. She decided, however, to remain in the courtroom as long as there was room for her. However, the Dormouse, who was sitting next to her, objected at once. I wish you wouldn't squeeze so I can hardly breathe. I can't help it, I'm growing. You've got no right to grow here. Don't talk nonsense, you're growing too. Yes, but I grow at a reasonable rate, not in that ridiculous fashion. The Hatter is so nervous under the gaze of the Queen that he shakes himself out of both his shoes. And, in his confusion, he bites a large piece out of his teacup instead of his bread and butter. I'm a poor man, Your Majesty. You're a very poor speaker. I might as well have you executed on the spot. I'd rather finish my tea. Oh, yes, yes, your tea. <laughs> In that case, you may go. Oh, yes, Your Majesty, I'm going. Just take his head off outside. Oh, yes, yes, his head. <clears throat> Call the next witness. Alice? What? Me? Yes, you. Well, uh, what do you know about the business, eh? Nothing. Nothing whatever. Nothing whatever. Oh, that's very important. Unimportant, your majesty means, of course. Unimportant, of course I meant. Important, unimportant. Unimportant, important. Some of the jury writes important and some unimportant, but it doesn't really matter. Silence! I read from the rule book. Rule 42. All persons more than a mile high will leave the court. I'm not a mile high. Oh, yes, you are. Nearly two miles high. See? Well, I shan't go at any rate. Besides, that's not a regular rule. You invented it just now. But it's the oldest rule in the book. Then it ought to be number one. Consider your verdict. No, no, there's more evidence to come yet. Please, Your Majesty. Oh. This paper has just been picked up. What's in it? I haven't opened it yet. But it seems to be a letter written by the prisoner to, um, uh, to somebody. Well, it must have been that, unless it was written to nobody, which isn't at all usual, you know. Who is it directed to? It isn't directed at all. In fact, there's nothing written on the outside. Ah, it isn't a letter after all. It's a set of verses. Are they in the prisoner's handwriting? No, they're not. He must have imitated somebody else's hand. That proves his guilt. Off of his head! Yes. It doesn't prove anything of the sort. Why, you don't even know what the verses are about. 
Oh, uh, rabbit, read them. Where shall I begin, please, your majesty? Um, uh, begin anywhere and, and stop, or when you like. <laughs> they told me you had been to her and mentioned me to him. She gave me a good character, but said I could not swim. He sent them word I had not gone. We know it to be true. If she should push the matter on, what would become of you? I gave her one, they gave him two. You gave us three or more. They all returned from him to you, though they were mine before. Ha! I think that's about enough, your majesty. Well, that's the most important piece of evidence we've heard yet. <laughs> so now let the jury consider their I verdict. don't believe there's an atom of meaning in it. <laughs> oh, if there's no meaning in it, Alice, that saves a world of trouble, you know, as we needn't try to find any. And yet, I don't know, I seem to find some meaning here. Hmm. Said I could not swim. You can't swim, can you, Knave? Do I look like it? He certainly doesn't, being made entirely of cardboard. Well, all right, so far. Now we continue. We know it to be true. That must be the jury, of course. If she should push the matter on, oh, that must be the queen. What would become of you? Yes, what indeed? I gave her one, they gave him two. Why, that must be what he did with the tarts, you know. But it goes on. They all returned from him to you. Well, what? Well, there they are. And so they are. The tarts are on the table. Nothing can be clearer than that, eh? <laughs> no, then again, before she had this fit. You never had fits, did you, my dear consort? Uh, never! Off of somebody's, anybody's head! And the words don't fit you. <laughs> That's a pun. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Well, let the jury consider their verdict. No, no! Sentence first, verdict afterwards. Stuff and nonsense. The idea of having a sentence first. Hold your tongue. I won't. Off of their head. But nobody moves. For Alice, who is now her full size and much too large for them to try to do anything about it, stands up, dumping the jury box and its occupants onto the courtroom floor. Oh, who cares for you anyway? You're nothing but a pack of cards. At this, the Holbeck rose up into the air and came flying down upon her. She gave little screams, half of fright, half of anger, and tried to fight them off. <gasps> then suddenly, Alice found herself lying on the bank with her head in the lap of her sister who was gently brushing away some dead leaves that had fluttered down from the trees upon her face. Wake up, wake up, Alice, dear. What a long sleep you've had. Oh, oh, sister, I've had such a curious dream. All about a, a white rabbit and a mock turtle and a mad hatter and the queen of hearts and a whole pack of cards. your color show make them go urgent notice ah! have you been in a recent car crash uh, yes do you think your wife will be mad at you for breaking her beloved car yes then come to the store fares fares auto repair unless you have already arrived hey sorry about the wreckage how much do i owe you to fix it nothing we have it all taken care of wow okay do you think you could fix my car, too? My wife might get kind of mad at me if I come home like this. No problem. We'll be done in 30 minutes. 
And since this is your first visit, it's on us. Just wait in the lobby, sir. Thanks. I will recommend this place to all of my friends. Fairs, fairs, honor repairs. You have been listening to Chatterbox Audio Theater and the Bartlett Performing Arts and Conference Center's production of Alice in Wonderland, featuring the voices of Zach Baker as the frog, Jared Brock as the griffin, Luke Dabney as the king, Matthew Douglas as the mock turtle, Marley Hale as the mouse, Heather Wesley as the white rabbit, Cameron Pitts as the queen of hearts, Haley Riggs as the dormouse, Rebecca Smith as Alice, Bailey Thielmeyer as the Duchess. Max Thielmeyer as the Mad Hatter. Nicholas Venucci as the Cheshire Cat. Madeline Velez as the Caterpillar. And Melissa Velez as the March Hare. Music by Craig Davis. Lighting designed by Terrence Holloway. Sound engineering by James Antoine. Assisted directed by Leslie Barker. Directed by Robert Arnold. The mission of Chatterbox Audio Theater is... Sparking imaginations through outstanding theatrical recordings. Download our shows. Meet our cast and crew. And make a donation to support our work at www.chatterboxtheater.org. The Mutual Audio Network, listening and imagining together.